Okay guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. I'm Pastor Tom Carter. This is episode number four, Christ-Centered. And you may have noticed by now that the way I kind of like to do things is I like to link memory verses together, Bible verses together, and uh, kind of share, pull a little bit from here, pull a little bit from there, and kind of uh, share how I feel about a particular topic that we're talking about. Well, today I'm going to do something a little bit different. I still have a uh, a few little different uh, memory verses that I want to share to kind of build the foundation and set things up for this uh, podcast episode. But then what I really want to get into, what I think uh, the real meat and potatoes part of this episode is, is uh, I want to read two kind of larger passages of scripture that really, hopefully, uh, exemplify what it is that I really want to talk about today because I think what I want to talk about today is very important and I mean I, I honestly obviously I wouldn't make a podcast about it I wouldn't rant about it I wouldn't preach about it I wouldn't write about it if I didn't think it was important but for this one I think it's particularly important that we once again we shift our mindset this kind of goes along with with the idea of all the new things that we have been given that we can uh, experience and enjoy on this side of the cross. Um, it's a shift of our mindset between being self-centered and being Christ-centered. And I want to talk about a little bit about what that means. And then, like I said, uh, I think for, for the most part of this episode, I want to do two kind of big examples. Uh, and they're just stories about uh, experiences that Jesus had. You know, it's all about Jesus. Uh, it is, a, it is a Jesus rant. So, you know, that's, that's what we're going to rant about Jesus. But I think these two passages of scripture really kind of show in a very simple, very clear, very real way, uh, what Jesus was all about. Uh, it, to me, it's kind of how Jesus put his money where his mouth was, if I can say it that way, how he literally acted in these situations and circumstances. So first, I want to read a couple of scriptures to uh, to really help us key in on the, the truth that being Christ-centered is the opposite of being self-centered. It's being people-centered. And uh, my, my, my main reason that, that I say it's being people-centered is Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, in the King James, it reads, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. So, uh, to me, what that always meant was, the way you relate to people is the way you relate to God. The way you treat people is the way you treat God. I've always felt that one of the, the biggest keys to understanding and experiencing and enjoying this abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life that is the gift of God that we have been given is understanding that really there are two important things in this universe, God and people. And listen, I'm not saying uh, the environment's not important. I'm not saying the earth's not important. I'm not saying animals aren't important. I'm just trying to, to, to get to the very bottom line, or as, as my son Logan always says, the top line 
because you should put the important stuff first. Uh, to me, more than anything else, it's God and people. Loving God and loving people. Loving God by loving people. How do we love God? Simply by loving each other. Whatever we do unto the least of them, we do unto him. So if we treat the least of them like garbage, really, we're treating God like garbage. And when you think about the idea or, or the, the truth or the fact that God lives in us, that really, to me, makes it a lot easier to understand how that can possibly be true. Because however you treat somebody else is how you're treating God, because God lives in that somebody else. You, he, you're literally treating him however it is that you're treating that person that he lives in. So, uh, so that brings us right to Romans chapter 5, verse 8, which reads, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I think that that's important with this idea of being Christ-centered to understand that, uh, you know, the new commandment, and, and we looked at this a little bit in previous podcast episodes, the new commandment is to love one another as Jesus loves you, to receive and release his love. And the thing that I really love about Romans chapter 5, verse 8, is how it talks about that he commended his love for us while we were sinners. When we had nothing to offer, God gave it all. He gave us everything he had and everything he is. And he didn't want anything in return. He 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 wasn't uh, trying to get anything from us. He just simply loved us and he wanted us to have what he has. He wanted us to be able to know that we are who he is. And that's what it says in the Bible in another place. It says, you know, as he is, so are we in this world. And and I think we talked about that when we talked about identity and about how Jesus is our true identity. He is God in the flesh, love in a body. God in our flesh, love in our body. And the more we come to understand what it means that he's in there, the more he will be able to come out of there and uh, and really manifest himself in our lives. But the idea about being Christ-centered, also, you know, being people-centered, is uh, is this love. It's a love that doesn't require anything. It's a love that doesn't want anything. Uh, my personal definition of love, and I didn't write this down, I, I, I didn't uh, search this part out, but I believe it's in the New Living Translation, and it says something along the lines of, I will gladly spend myself uh, and all that I have for you, even though the more I love, it seems like the less I am loved. So what what that always meant to me was, uh, of course, that, that love is maximum effort. Giving somebody your love is giving them everything you have and everything you are. Doing it gladly, not doing it from a place of obligation, not doing it from a place of guilt or shame or thinking, if I do this, well, then they'll do that. It's not, I'll scratch your back so that you scratch mine. It's doing it gladly. It's giving what you have because you know what you have is so good and you just want to share it. You just want other people to be able to experience it. And then, you know, I, I really like the part about even even though when I do that, it doesn't always work out the way that I, I want it to or the way that I think it should. Even though it seems like the more I love, the less you love me, I'm still going to give it all I got and I'm still going to do it gladly. That, to me, is what love is. You know, uh, in, in John chapter 
15, verse 13, Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And whenever I use this verse, I like to, to quote, or at least paraphrase, uh, Abraham Lincoln, who said, I destroy my enemies by making them my friends. So again, you know, we're not we're not making judgments about whether or not people deserve love. We're not saying, well, I can love him because he's my friend, but I don't have to love this guy because he's not my friend. What it means is you make people your friend by loving them. You lay down your life for everybody, and then they're like, man, that guy's a good friend. So, uh, so that's kind of the foundation I wanted to build, and I didn't want to spend too much time on those three verses, I just wanted to to hopefully kind of uh, get it straight in our minds that being Christ-centered, even though Christ lives inside of us, and even though we look inside to find him, even though uh, everything comes from the inside out, being Christ-centered is the opposite of being self-centered. Being Christ-centered is being people-centered. It's seeing a need in somebody else, and it's meeting that need, if at all possible. It's the idea where, uh, I believe they were talking to John the Baptist, and they said, what should we do? And he said, well, if you have two coats, and you see somebody without a coat, give them your coat. Live out of your abundance. You were blessed to be a blessing, so give what you've got. And, and, and I always like to point out, he didn't say, give away your coat and freeze to death. He said, if you have two, and somebody needs one, because they don't have one, give them one. So it's not uh, it's not a bad thing to have things. It's a bad thing when your things have you. When you when when it's okay to own things as long as those things don't own you. It's okay to be blessed just so long as out of those blessings you you bless others. So now I want to read the first passage of scripture. It's in John chapter 4, and I want to read verses 30 through 34, but uh, kind of kind of as the back story for this, to save some time to cut through some of it, this is uh, the woman at the well that, that Jesus encounters. And, uh, you know, Jesus was hungry, and he sent his disciples to get him some food, and then he met this woman who, uh, she had five husbands, and she was living with the sixth man, and uh, what she didn't know was that she was about to have an experience with the seventh man, the perfect man, the the culmination of, of, of all men. Uh, Adam was the first Adam, and Jesus is the last Adam. So, so in, in a very real way, this was the last man she ever needed to have an experience with in order to, uh, to really get something straight. But, uh, but again, the, the point here is that when Jesus was hungry and he sent his disciples to get food, he met this woman and he ministered to her. So John chapter 4, starting with verse 30, reads, Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. And uh, and realistically, that to me is what it means to be Christ-centered. It means not getting, but giving. The thing that he needed to uh, to consume, or the thing that he, he needed in order to sustain him, was giving what he had. 
was being who he was, was ministering to people, to do the work that his father set out for him to do. And I can tell you, as a writer, there are times when, uh, even though uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty tired a lot of the time, there are times in my life when I would rather write than sleep. And, and, and if I really have like a really good writing session, that fills me up, that energizes me, that uh, it doesn't drain me. Uh, I think we have this idea where we think, uh, I only have so much love. And if I give it away to the wrong person, or if I give away too much of it, or, or if I spend my love recklessly, then I'm going to run out of it, and I'm not going to have any more. And I'm going to be lacking something, and I'm going to be missing something. But friends, that's not the way love works. Love is giving. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a lot, of, a lot of things in this life, they're, they're built to be used. And sometimes we're so afraid that, that we will wear them out or, or we're so afraid that we'll break them that we just kind of put them on a shelf and, and, and we're happy to have it, but we don't really experience it because we don't use it. Like, uh, like a, lot of, a lot of tools, uh, if you don't use them, they'll just, they'll just get rusty. But if you use them, then they, they stay in better shape and, and, and because that's what they're built for. And uh, I think that's the way that it is with love. I think the more... It's, it, you know the old saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. I think that's how we feel about love, when in fact, the reverse is true. Uh, when you use it, you make sure that you don't lose it. The more you give away, the more you have. The more you give away, the more you experience. The more of what's inside that you let out, the more room you have to, uh, the more room you have inside to to continually refill yourself. And when I say refill yourself, what I mean is let God refill you. I think He uh, has filled us, and I think He is filling us, and I think He will fill us. I think uh, we are connected to the unlimited source of love. And uh, sometimes we miss out on experiencing it because we're, we're hoarding it or, or we're hiding it. You remember Jesus talking about not putting your light under a bushel. You know that, you know that old song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's what light is for. Light is meant to illuminate. It's meant to shine. So if we hide it, then, then not only are we missing out on it, but, but we're kind of robbing it from being able to do what it was created to do. And a lot of times I think we, uh, we rob ourselves from doing what we were created to do because we're afraid that, that either we'll do it wrong or, or we'll do it and then we won't be able to do it anymore because we feel like we have a, a, a finite amount of, of whatever it is. Be it, uh, be it your three T's, your, your time, your talent, and your treasure, or, or, or whatever it is. And, uh, and one of the most important things that anybody ever said to me is uh, when, I, when, when, my, when my son was very small, I got a text one day, and it said, Children spell love T-I-M-E. Because when you give somebody your time, when that that's that's literally giving them something that you can never have back, and that's why I've always made it a priority in my life to have special time with my son every single day. Uh, we we pray together, we play together, we we do all these things together because that really hit me hard, and and, and it really you know locked in for me that that. 
time is is one of the most important and precious and valuable things that you have. So when when we're talking about laying your life down for your friends, we're talking about giving yourself to them. We're talking about saying what what I will do what you want to do because I want to do it with you. And to me, that's one of the greatest expression expressions, excuse me, of love that you can have. And, and that's what Jesus was doing with this woman at the well. He was giving her his time. He was spending time with her. He was hungry. He he you know he he, he might have been a little cranky. I get super cranky when I get hungry. But when he saw this woman, and I don't really necessarily even think that she had any idea what she was walking into. I don't think she was looking for a prophet or a messiah or a savior or a healer. I think it was more of a chance encounter on her end. I know it was a divinely appointed encounter on Jesus's end. But for for Jesus to to kind of quote-unquote, accidentally, coincidentally run into this woman when he's hungry, when his disciples are gone, when he's waiting around for some food, uh, and, and then for him to to just immediately just to see her and to minister to her and to give himself to her, uh, even when he may not have been at, at his highest, you know, uh, highest ever flow. Uh, and then the disciples came back and they're like, what's going on? You, you look great. You don't look hungry. You don't you don't look tired. You don't look cranky. You, you're, you're totally rejuvenated. What happened? And he said, oh, I have food you don't know nothing about. The thing that I fill myself up on, the thing that sustains me, the thing that, that you know, brings out the color in my cheeks and, and the gleam in my eye is, is to do my Father's work, to love people, to give what I have, because love is giving. So, uh, to me, the point of that story, and, and really the point of the next story I want to read is, uh, there's a lot to be said about giving even when you feel like you don't have anything. And and the reason we can do that goes back to our verse in Romans where, uh, where God commended his love for us when we were sinners. When we had nothing to offer, when we truly, honestly had nothing to offer, God gave us everything that he had, which is everything that we could ever need. And now that he has filled us up with himself, with his spirit, with his love, with his life, with his light, now that he has filled us up, we can fill ourselves up to overflowing with, with all of that, that amazing, great uh, stuff that he's already filled us up with. And when you fill yourself up to overflowing, that's when it comes out of you naturally. That's when you don't have to fake it till you make it. And listen, being nice to people you don't like, in my opinion, that's not being fake. That's being mature. The world needs a lot more of that. Just because you doesn't, just because you don't like somebody, doesn't mean that you should be mean to them. Okay? Remember, uh, remember, love your enemies. Remember, turn the other cheek. Remember all these other things that Jesus said that that are so practical and so important. So let me read my final uh, passage here, and then I have. One more memory verse that I want to close with. Uh, but first of all, let's do Matthew chapter 14, verses 10 through 14. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel. And she brought it to her mother, and his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude, 
and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. This story blows me away. This story is about Jesus learning about the uh, the needless, pointless, uh, petty death of his cousin John the Baptist, like like literally his best friend. When when Jesus's mom and John the John the Baptist's mom were both pregnant, you know John was the one who who when they came into contact, uh, when their moms came into contact, that's when when. Uh, I believe John first first leapt in his mother's womb, or, or I think it was you know uh, there was a meeting there, uh, a, a spiritual meeting. So, uh, from everything that I've read and everything I understand, like this is Jesus's best friend, and his disciples come with his headless body, and they bury it, and they tell Jesus this horrible thing that has happened. And listen, Jesus wept when he heard that his other friend Lazarus died even though he knew he was fixing to go right to that tomb and raise that bad boy from the dead. So Jesus had emotions. Jesus felt things so deeply and so strongly. Jesus wasn't above everybody else just floating on a cloud being like, eh, everything will turn out okay. It's all good. Don't worry about it. No, Jesus was right there in the midst of things with us. He felt things. He he was, he got sad. He, I mean, he got angry, right? He turned over the, uh, the money changers tables in the temple after after spending time premeditating to 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 put a whip together like he he was a man like you like you and me and he felt things like you and me i i, I really believe he felt things deeper than you and me so uh it says when he heard of it he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart and i like that phrase a place apart because that's what he wanted. He wanted to get away from everybody. And he wanted to get away from everything. He was so distraught and he was so upset that this had happened that he needed to be alone. He, he needed to be, you know, he, I'm, I'm sure he was in prayer. I'm sure he was uh, uh, leaning on his heavenly father on that one, uh, you know, drawing strength. I always talk about one of my favorite Bible verses is the one where uh, the when when David was you know the ruler of the the people of Israel and and they got raided and the people turned on him and and the Bible says David strengthened himself in the Lord I have a feeling that that's what Jesus was doing here I, I have a feeling he was strengthening himself in the Lord I, I have a feeling that he needed uh, some extra strength right here after getting news like that uh, horrible terrible awful news and his decision his choice uh, the thing that he did was as he went away to a place apart. Uh, and, and of course, when the people heard about it, they followed him because they weren't worried about what he was going through. All they cared about was what they were going through. Again, it's the difference between being Christ-centered and being self-centered. It's the difference between looking at other people or just looking at yourself. And I understand that it's hard a lot of times to look past yourself. It's hard a lot of times to be able to see past yourself, uh, like like I've always said, when when you're hungry and somebody wants to give you a sermon, that doesn't fill your belly up. And, and I mean, listen, there are there are people in my life that uh, that if I'm going through something or if I need something, and they send me, you know, a Bible verse or or, or a word in season, that can really help out uh, quite a bit. That can help out a lot. Of, I, I like it. I'm into it. But I think for the for the average Joe on the street. 
if he's like, man, I'm starving. I haven't eaten all day. And you're like, well, let me tell you what the Bible says. I think that that's going to like make his eyes roll back in his head and, and glaze over. And he's going to be like, oh, geez, I'm already hungry and cranky. I don't want to hear about all of this stuff. Because I think a lot of the times we the way we present the gospel is uh, is more harmful than, than helpful. But the point is, is that uh, Jesus wanted one thing and the people wanted another thing. They followed him on foot out of the cities. They just marched out to where, they, where, where he was. Jesus was trying to get away so he could deal with this uh, great tragic loss that he had just found out about. And, uh, and all of a sudden, here come the people with their hands out. And the, uh, the most interesting thing about this to me, the, the most important thing about this to me, is that Jesus was moved with compassion toward them. Jesus saw the, the multitude, and, and he saw all the sickness, he saw all the need, he saw all the hunger, he saw all the brokenness, and, uh, and he, he wasn't bitter about it, he wasn't upset about it, he wasn't like, jeez, oh, can't I just get a break? I just need some me time. And, and you know, I've been there when, when I've felt that way, when I felt like, I can't help you right now, I'm trying to help me right now. But what we saw in that first story, and the reason I read it first, and, and the reason that I'm trying to link these two stories together, is because uh, despite what our natural mind will tell us about, I need to recharge, I need some me time, I need to get away from things, the truth of the matter is, is that you recharge by giving what you've got. You recharge by loving people. He was moved with compassion toward them. He saw a need in them, and he met that need without without question, with without bitterness, without resentment. He he didn't throw up his hands and say, "Oh, fine, if you're gonna follow me all the way out here, then I guess I'll help you." No, he was moved with compassion. He 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 saw uh, he saw something that he could do, and he just did it. He gladly gave everything he had and everything he was. Because that's what love is. He was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. He 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 gave them what they needed, uh, regardless of what he needed. And, and again, what I'm here to say today is that sometimes, most of the time, maybe even all of the time, when you give someone what they need, that is what you need. Uh, you know, the the gift is in the giving. Uh, the, the reward is in the journey. It's not always in the destination. Uh, if we can look past ourselves and we can see what others need, I always feel better when I'm doing stuff for other people. Like, like even, even when it comes to spending money, I don't like spending money on myself, but I'll spend money on other people. That's no problem. If I can give somebody else something, make them happy, make them smile, I think that's great. And, and, and I just feel a little weird when, when I spend money on myself, but that's probably just me. That's probably just a weird little Pastor Tom quirk. Um, so let me close this out. We're getting close to half an hour and I'm trying to keep these somewhere around half an hour. So, uh, I'm also trying to get better at, uh, introducing myself at the beginning. I'm trying to get better at, uh, self-promotion. So we'll, we'll do a little bit of that at the very end, but, uh, I want to kind of close it down, keep it around half an hour. And I want to close with Philippians chapter two, verse four. And in the King James, it reads, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And to me, that, that's it in a nutshell. That's, that's as plain and as simple as I can make it. And, and, and it, I do want to point out that it says, look not every man on his own things, 
So uh, the point is, if I'm looking out for you and you're looking out for me, neither one of us has to look out for ourselves. Looking out for yourself is selfish. I mean, literally. And, and I know that that word has a kind of a negative connotation, but I don't know how else to say it. I don't know what else it could be. Um, when when you're looking out for yourself, especially at the expense of someone else, ugh, I don't like that. That's not so good. But every man also on the things of others. And that word also is important because, listen, you do have to take care of business. You do have to take care of your responsibilities. Uh, my pastor always used to say, you know, uh, call up DTE or, or, or call up the, you know, the energy uh, supplier and tell them how much you love Jesus and, and, and see if they'll let you skip out on your bill. They probably won't. So, you know, Paul said in, a, in another place, if you don't work, you don't eat. So I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of your own responsibilities. I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of yourself. I'm saying if I'm looking out for you and you're looking out for me, that's a more excellent way. And that way, we we can focus on what matters, which is, you know, each other, rather than, uh, you know, we can esteem one another higher than ourselves. We can, uh, you know, we can be humble. We can, we, we don't have to worry about ourselves or what we have or what we don't have. We don't have to compare what we have or what we don't have with what someone else has or doesn't have. We can take care of our business and, and we can look on the things of others in, in a positive way, in a way that says, if you lack something, I'm going to help you with it. If you lack, some, uh, if, if, if you need help, I'm going to give you what I've got. If I've got two coats and you don't have one, now all of a sudden I have one coat and you have one coat. And I think that's a more excellent way. So that was what was on my heart, <clears throat> excuse me, about being Christ-centered and what that means. Uh, just one more time, because uh, my dad taught me that people learn best by repetition. I want to say it one more time. Being Christ-centered is the opposite of being self-centered. Being Christ-centered is being people-centered. Not worrying about yourself or what you're going through or what you've got, but looking onto other people, seeing what they're going through, seeing a need and meeting it, if at all possible. You know, we are blessed to be a blessing. So when you see somebody who needs a blessing, <laughs> go ahead and bless them. And then maybe they'll be blessed to be a blessing and on and on and on it goes. So that's what I had for this week. Uh, JesusRant.com is the website. Um, you can find all the pods on on there. You can, you can find them, you know, uh, on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Podcasts. There's a ton of places that, that the podcasts are on. Um, all of the Jesus rants are, I, I do a daily blog or, or a daily rant. Those are all on the website. Um, there's a link to my Amazon authors page on the website where you can find all the books I've written. I've written quite a few Jesus books and, and even a couple of uh, fictional kind of sort of Christian superhero books. Uh, if you want to check those out, you can check those out. I try to keep them priced pretty low because I always thought I don't want to pay a lot of money for books. So if I write a book, I don't I don't want anybody else to have to pay a lot of money for mine. So uh, so basically everything's on JesusRant.com. I am on most of the socials. Uh, usually it's at Thomas Carter five one five. That's that's my handle, I guess. They the the kids say. Um, that's what I have for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're uh, 
helping me get this word out, Word Without Walls. Once again, my heart is to just get this word out without any restrictions, just make it as available as possible in as many ways as possible to as many people as possible. So uh, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, if you want to uh, give a review to the podcast, five stars are always good, good reviews are always good, it, it helps get that word out. Um, thank you for the support that I've already gotten here in the very early stages of this thing. Hopefully it will continue to uh, to grow and to, to bless some people. And uh, alright, that's what I have for this week. So uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.